Welcome back to the Lead Cast Leaders. We have some really cool segments planned for you guys this semester. We are very excited to be back. This episode we have game design with Jasper and Anna. Next we have congressional recap with Joe. And last we have a segment with Devlin featuring an interview with Mr. Goya on philosophy. Take it away, Jasper and Anna. Hi, my name is Jasper. Uh, it's spelled J-A-S-P-E-R. I'm a freelance 3D animator and I also develop games on the Roblox platform. It's a good platform for developers who want to get into the industry and are mostly targeting younger audiences. There's a lot of already built in tools and methods and like really good information and documentation on how the engine works. It's pretty simple. There's just this really strong community that's already in set in stone than something that's kind of standalone, uh, like Unity or Unreal. Roblox is kind of mostly targeted towards kids, but there are a lot of audiences, very large audience in general, on the platform that basically, it's intended for like ages, let's say like 6 to 16, but there is a lot of more mature audiences and themes and video games and all that, so that's also attracted to the platform, and also developers who want to push the bar a bit and add those kind of mature themes. Currently, I've got a couple projects, but the most prominent one is a game, basically a tag game. It's called Untitled Tag Game. Basically, the whole premise of it is you run around and you tag people. Different game modes that you can pick and vote on, as well as maps, and it's kind of inspired by the classic eras of Roblox itself. Basically, the early games that were on it, there's themes in the maps and like in the sound design that's just kind of keeps it nostalgic but also something fresh and something different from other games. We've talked about changing it from just Untitled Tag Game to something like Ultimate Tag to keep kind of like even Ultimate Tag Game because the whole abbreviation of UTG kind of sticks with how the game plays and it's something recognizable for everyone I think. Usually when it comes to abbreviations in games three letters is usually a good target so it's either Untitled Tag Game, UTG, or Ultimate Tag Game. What are your predictions for the future of this game? Get it to a stable level and keep pushing content into it, keep promoting it and it way that keeps it keeps younger audiences interested so there's still support for uh, like mobile also to target the people who've been on the platform for longer with the whole nostalgia theme and to kind of show what roblox used to be in a way design wise i stream development a lot on my twitch channel and that's been going great so far started back in i think october it's october and november uh i've gotten to the twitch affiliate program and that's helped me earn funds for the game just by streaming and earning that revenue in a way and it's really interesting to me to see what developers can put out onto a platform with those tools of streaming and like just having a community based around it because I've jumped from like a couple like 10 or 20 people in the server that I own to over like 200 at this point and it's been crazy growth and I've had my other streamer friends help me out with that and it's been just really really interesting to see how fast you can build a community if you have the right people. Do you have examples of what you choose to show of development versus like what you choose not to show? For an example there's a map that we were working on for a while separate from like the original one because now you can vote for like there's like eight different maps and there was a map that we were working on and we wanted to keep it hidden so Riker just put up a big blue wall that said nothing to see here and I, that was funny and it's 
it became kind of a running joke that also kept people's interest in the project and like, oh hey, what's coming next? We gotta stay here and see what's happening. And then eventually when it comes out, it's really satisfying because first of all, we can get rid of that big blue ugly wall and we can also just show people what we've been working on so hard. And that's, it's super satisfying to just hit publish, everything like works well and just really have a stable community who's happy with what you make. So how is working with Riker? Riker's pretty nice. He's been a really good teammate and I, I really couldn't do any of this without him. He's been a great community manager. He's been great for content creation and like he's inspired a lot of new content for the game. That's been a huge help. Thank you, Riker. You're amazing. I couldn't do any of this without you. Working with a team not only just makes everything faster, but also gives you ideas, because you run out of ideas really quickly if you are by yourself. And I think it's really important to have these ideas as you're working on something, because you'll just completely run out of creative ideas and just having someone to go to to kind of revamp your creative juices i guess it's just it's just kind of nice to get second opinions always how long have you been coding i would like to say since i was around 10 or 11 um is when i really got into it but i've been messing around with the game stuff since i was like six or seven <laughs> unity i accidentally installed a dev or developer version of it when i was trying to play just a normal unity game and i was like oh this is cool i've always wanted to like mess around with this stuff so i did and then i eventually realized oh I need to code things for this to work. And then I installed all the necessary stuff for it at like 10 years old, which was terrifying because I think I broke like three computers before that. But really it was just getting to experiment and just mess around with all this like just wall of text that was turning it into a game was just really fascinating to break down. I think it's changed me a lot too. Just like how do you even think? when you're a programmer is a lot different than like like going through each line is different than looking at what sections of stuff does and like leaving comments for yourself later to fix things. It's just, it's really interesting to see and like analyze how someone new thinks about a problem. Can you tell me about your other projects? Mostly no, because they're still pretty early or I'm literally legally not allowed to talk about them. But we have been working up some stuff on my own like game development team for both Untitled Tag Game as well as just like other projects that I think are going to be really interesting. What is your personal development team called? It's called Dot Create. We make fun, innovative stuff. Basically just pushing the limits of the platform. And a lot of my stuff is based on like movement, adding like wall running or like flips and stuff into just your normal, usual first person game. That's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been fun to just experiment and push the push the limits, like I said earlier, of what's possible on the platform and see how that works with an audience that's not really used to. More fast, high octane sort of gameplay, especially when it comes to mobile support and trying to make that work with PC players. How's it different animating for your own game versus animating for other projects? So usually for my own games, I go for a more simplistic kind of like bubbly animation style. When it comes to like something I'm getting paid for, like a commission or someone else's project, it also depends on what they want like sometimes I'll do that usual bubbly one but I enjoy making realistic animation so putting weight into each like footstep and a walk cycle putting this like this emphasis on movement that needs to stay there but also can't be there because if you make it too much it's going to look too unreal adding this feel that makes it feel more weighted 
down to earth, more human. It's just really satisfying to get it right. And you can tell when you get it right because your eyes like, that's what I would move. Like I would see someone do that. And that's really interesting to see how the brain works also with movement and just analyzing how people move and work the limits on joints. But also I really like making things look goofy. There's just this mix that you gotta get right to the point. And I love that. For your tag game, why did you throw yourself into that premise rather than one of your other ideas? One of the things that struck me the most opposed to like my more serious games didn't have that kind of like childlike feel to it that I think Roblox appeals to. I think it was a great like feel in a way to add the movement for my other more gritty, more dark games into something like new and accessible and like something everyone can kind of enjoy and then like find their own details that they like in it. Just give that to a community that has been used to something more dark and then see how they like that, especially because it's a kid's platform. But just kind of getting that feel of childhood into an art style while also keeping it what you enjoy doing with the movement, having something interesting to just look at and all bright and colorful and vibrant and all that happy stuff. And it's really just, it's nice to look at as well as play and like feel. And it's, there's always difference between seeing something being played and playing it yourself and also accounting for that, like making it fun to watch with the movement, but also fun to play, but not too overwhelming to play with the movement. Such a fun balance to get right. I have like darker titles that you've made. Would you think about like fleshing those out more on a different platform other than Roblox? Um, I've thought about it before. I think they could definitely work. The only thing that's pushing me away from doing something like that is that's been done before on other platforms. Like standalone games have done parkour before. They've done these dark themes. They've done all of this. But Roblox, when you think of Roblox, you think of blocks. You think of all these like these popular games within it that have like made themselves known and been like these icon games for Roblox. And I want to change that before I go and try and make something else on a different platform and just kind of abandon that. And I think it's really fun to just push the limit of what the platform accepts, kind of redefine what something is and like how an audience sees a game. So just keeping that dark kind of theme for some games and like also making sure that it's comfortable for people is fun to do. Is there anything else you would like to talk about or go over? A big majority of just working as a game developer, if anyone's like interested and they're listening to this and they're like, hey, I want to do that. I would definitely do what I did starting out and do like a separate game engine. I recommend doing that for the long run instead of something like Roblox. Like Roblox has these really good supports and everything. Probably if I were to do it again, use a different engine and learn the basics of game development first. And if you try Roblox and try developing on that and be like, hey, this is this is right for me. Like I can I can build around this. That perfect, that's for you. Go do that. If you like the sort of more serious and like more do-it-yourself styles of the other engines, perfect, go do that. That's you. It's what you like to do. Thanks guys, that was really interesting. Next up we have Congressional Recap with Joe. Hello, my name is Joe Weimer, and today I will be doing a recap of what has been going on in Congress. So, since it is already February, we're just going to recap last month. So, last month in Congress, voting rights took center stage, especially with the John R. Lewis Voting Act, as well as another act named after late Senator John R. Lewis, known as the Freedom to Vote. Both bills established new criteria for determining which states and political subdivisions must require in order to approve changes to voting rights. The Department of Justice is in charge of these approvals and regulating what states want to approve 
improve and advise on their voting rights. So this act would in turn just kind of further simplify those requirements as well as add more that would make it a little bit less easy to change voting rights and legislation just so that people are able to go through proper steps and ensure the integrity. Of Another thing was education was a major thing that was in the legislators both national and state. We're going to move on to the state legislators now. So in the Missouri House of Representatives or we'll refer to it as the Missouri General Assembly, the legis legislators have been busy proposing all sorts of legislation from things again going against the governor for his uh, ending the state of emergency that was enacted for the COVID-19 pandemic as well as declaring January 12th as Rush Limburg Day. All, all, voting rights was also very prevalent in the Missouri legislator. Um, Representative Billington introduced a bill that would modify provisions for voter identification and Representative Kelly Ann also introduced a bill for provisions relating to elections in general. The Missouri State Senate was also very busy on the same issues. Some interesting ones were sports wagering and ag agricultural tax credit. Again, the prevalent issues were the education system, as, and part of that was the curriculum that was being taught in our schools. Senator Ordner proposed several bills that would create provisions related to curricula school. And just like I said, just as it was in the National and the House Representatives, elections also took center stage state Senate, with Senator Crawford issuing a bill that would repeal expired provision to mail-in voting as well as absentee voting. Several other senators introduced general provisions to the elections as well. So what's going on next month? Like what's going to happen now in February? So Congress is expected, National Congress is expected to tackle even more voting rights legislation as well as their continued struggle to progress President Biden's agenda. And back home here in the Missouri legislature, the fight over school curriculum and masking is expected to continue. Um, as you know, our Attorney General has been actively pursuing lawsuits among uh, school districts and other organizations that have imposed mask mandates in the uh, Missouri. Uh, so February, that appears what's to be going on in Congress. And thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in a month. Thanks, Joe. Now on to Devlin's segment featuring Mr. Goya on the topic of philosophy. Now, Goya, I'm a science teacher at Lead Innovation Studio with the Park Hill School District. How long have you been with us? This is my third year, and before that, I taught high school science at Lawrence High School for over 20 years. I've also taught high school science in Ohio, and I taught middle school now science in Kansas City, Kansas. So I've taught almost 30 years to various groups of students. Do you think you'd consider yourself a pretty smart person? No, no. I kind of like what Socrates said about smartness, that the wise person knows they do not understand things. So I go in every day wanting to learn like my student. I may know a little bit about things, <laughs> but there's a lot of things that we don't know about the universe either. Well, do you think that we can explain everything or everything could be explained by science? No. Science is just one realm of knowledge or understanding. Now, science as a way of learning or knowing has a benefit that it's self-correcting, theoretically. But because science is done by humans, it still has a propensity for error or bias. But there's many questions in our universe that really are outside the realm of testability. We cannot design an experiment. One question might be, is there a heaven? Is there a hell? What happens after death? You know, those are all deep philosophical questions. They're important, but they're not scientifically testable. Do you believe in anything after death? No. 
Why? That's a good question. I probably would consider myself more of an agnostic. I'm not sure. And if there is something after, great. If there's not... You won't be uh, around to care. Yes. Now, Pascal... 1700, maybe even 1600s, French philosopher and scientist. His thought, I believe, I don't know his full writings, belief was, you know, maybe I should believe in religion or God, because if there is no God, what's the harm of believing in one? And if there is one, great, I am believing him. But if not, no harm done. I'm not sure I take that view. I'm more of a, one thing I think about is, the idea that the universe itself, the earth, the universe, nature, it can be worshipped in a way. You know, seeing the trees and the, the seasons and the sun come up. Theoretically, under the precepts of evolution, there's really no direction. The universe just is. And you're right, we are just one species of many. You know, and that's why we can't, that's why there's some questions we really can't answer because we can't. Like, is there more than one universe? Well, I don't know. We can't really get out of the one we're in to figure things out. Good questions. Do you think that as a whole that there is any sort of goal that we should be working to? Yeah, yeah. I think there's probably more than one answer here, which is fine. But I think we do have a responsibility to our planet and to the universe to be good stewards. And I think there also should be, we also should have kind of an altruistic sort of direction also where we want, not just with humans, but really with all creatures, really, we want to maximize happiness. And it's kind of hard to say, well, it's the deer that run around lead, are they happy? I think that might be a misnomer to, to one other creatures to be happy or to assign them human sort of things, but I think we would like to relieve suffering where we can. Things like habitat loss? Yes, yes, and our environment. Now, the problem I think is, well, should we go out and colonize other planets? Well, I don't think that's a bad idea, but we just don't want to trash a place out and move on. Do you think that being able to colonize other planets will make us feel less attached to ours and therefore yes. find it easier to destroy it? Yes, I think in a way it, it might do that. You know, people have written about science fiction, about moving from planet to planet and moving on. What is the goal of the individual? And do you think that our goal as an individual is different from our goal as a whole or collective? Now that you ask that question, I feel like, in a way, that our individual individual goals should match kind of what I just mentioned about the society, that we want to respect other life, we want to treat and be good stewards of our planet and treat creatures humanely, I guess. And I believe individually, we can do the same thing. And really, if every individual does this and believes in this, then as a society, we should see a parallel viewpoint as a society. How would you quantify someone who is successful in this? What kind of life would they live? Examined, reflective, maybe like a Goodall, yeah, kind of like a, a Jane Goodall, you know? And the thing of it is, we have trouble attaining maybe to the perfect idea, Plato's perfect ideas, but we should strive to live an examined life and we should strive to do what we can to be good stewards of our planet, etc.
And so I don't know, whenever I hear her talk, I think of, you know, somebody that is worth emulating. In a way, it goes along the lines of you can't truly empathize with something unless you understand it. Yes, I guess I better, we better. What do you think is the meaning of life? I would say the meaning of life is to, to live and examine thought-provoking life um, where we learn about different things, really. We study things. We try to improve things. You know, we, we, want, to, we want to bring everything and everybody maybe along for the ride, but we're not leaving people behind. What do you think our collective moral compass is then? As if you were to include the fact that what our wishes are may be different from those in power are. Yeah. So do you think that represents just those few corrupt in power, or do you think in a way that represents all of us? I think it probably represents all of us. And it's kind of a kind of a viewpoint that you know you can you can kind of wake up every morning and think about being positive, positive in my job, positive in my interactions with students, in my interactions with families, and try to do the best that I can. And I think if we all did that, you know, it would be good, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Are there um, any other things you'd like to say? Um, I have thought, having taught a long time, and now that I've reached kind of an older age, I've started thinking now about death, I guess and about meaning. Does it make you sad? A little bit, although honestly, I think I'm ready. You know, I mean, I hope I hang around a little bit longer, but I can't really think of anything that I still have to do. <laughs> you know, you know, we all kind of want to leave a legacy. But what does that really mean? You know, so who knows me? You know me. The students right here know me. My family knows me. But in a hundred years, all those people possibly will forget or they won't even be around anymore. So what is the long-term legacy that we have? Well, it, it's for like a generation, right? Or so. And then we, then people forget. However, if we can raise children and students and people to be kind and to be good to others, then that is a legacy, and it may only last 10, 15, 20 years. Hey, that was, that was my physics teacher, or there's Mr. Boy, or whatever, you know, or my family. They move on, you know, and so maybe that's the best we can do, is to leave a, a positive legacy that lasts for a few years, and then that's it, I guess. <laughs> I don't have much more to say. Very touching, actually. <laughs> well, thank you for your time, Mr. Yeah, Blood. yeah, I enjoy it. Thanks, everyone, for tuning into this week's episode of The Lead Cast. We thank all of our featured guests and interviewers. Tune in for the next episode where we have a BSU segment, Books with Tia and True Crime with Danny.